Uh, so this morning I want to share with you a thought we're going to take from Psalm 107. If you'd like to go ahead and turn there, uh, we'll be there in just a few minutes. But we're talking about distress today and our fusion guide this morning or for this week is really dealing with how to, how to handle distress when it seems like God is not present. You ever been there? You're struggling and you're praying and yet it seems like there's no relief, there's no help, there's no answer, there's no clarity for next step. I don't really know what I'm doing and so how do I manage through that? And what we're going to look at today then is the deliverance that God can bring and he does bring in his time and his way when we are distressed. Uh, so let's start with defining distress and then we'll see if we've ever been distressed. So if you were to define it, what would you, what is distress? We sing about it. My heart was distressed beneath Jehovah's dread frown. Low in the pit where my sin dragged me down. Alright, so what's it mean to be distressed? Troubled. Yes, ma'am. That's often translated in the Bible the same way as distress. Depression. Okay. So it's kind of, it's on a deeper level, isn't it? Anybody else distress? If you look it up, it would say that it is acute. A-C-U-T-E, acute, which means it's intense or it's severe. Uh, worry or trouble um, or anxiety uh, or a strain. It would be a, an intense kind of pain or sorrow, right? So that's one way that it would define uh, distress. It means to experience trouble or misfortune or have extreme need or to cause great suffering. So have you ever been distressed? Right? I would say at some point all of us in the room, even when you're trying to think of this definition, maybe it takes you back to a time where you're like, man, I remember that was a hard moment. Or that was a hard season. That was just that song I identify with. I was distressed. I felt like I was in a pit. Uh, well, maybe you're there now. Uh, and maybe we're not there but the odds are that we're going to find ourselves there again. And so what do we do when we're distressed is kind of the approach that we're going to take this morning. So let's talk about the what distress is not, and then we'll get into what it is, and I will give you an illustration, and we'll start. So first of all, distress is not like when you cut your finger, and you've got to put a Band-Aid on it, right? Paper cut, that may hurt really badly, um, but it's, it's not distress. You know, this week... Uh, we've got this big plant our neighbor has grows huge grass thing and the basketball went into it and so one of the girls went to get the ball and it's got like sharp edges and when she pulled her hand out it just cut her finger so that hurt right but that's not distress so there can be a, kind of an annoying pain but it, that, that's not the same thing as distress what about do you remember maybe when you were in school and when you worked really hard and you thought you should have got maybe an A or a B and you got a B or a C on a paper or a project or a test. So that's pretty disappointing, pretty frustrating, but that's not distress, okay? What about when somebody cuts you off in traffic? Does that lead to distress? It probably leads to other emotions, right? I had it happen here going to Oklahoma this week. We were crossing Mississippi River. If you've been that way recently, there's two lanes that merge to one. Right before you go across, what's the name of that bridge? The main bridge that takes you right by the Cardinal Stadium. 
the poplar. So crossing that bridge and this car, I mean, they were literally beside me and just started coming over. And they knew I was there, and it was like, you're just going to slow down because I'm coming over. And so I politely let them know that was not okay, right? That's why they put a horn on that Honda Odyssey, so they know that that's not allowed. And so it was frustrating, but it wasn't distressed. So distress doesn't minimize those things, right? Getting cut, that hurts. Being treated unfairly, you know, that's disappointing. Somebody coming in on you or cutting line of you or taking something that you feel like is rightfully yours, that can be frustrating, but it's not distressing. Okay, so distress doesn't minimize those things. It's really just uh, something altogether its own. Uh, so distress is when, we are, when, when we're in an overwhelming situation and we cannot do anything to fix our situation. We cannot be our own solution. That's where we tend to find ourselves distressed. It's beyond me and I can't do anything. And maybe I've tried and tried and tried and tried. Or maybe it's been a slow fade. But at this point, I'm utterly helpless. That's where we find distress. And usually that situation begins to own us. It's where I can't think about anything else. And we'll talk about that here a little bit this morning. So let me give you an example. And this is not an extreme example of distress. But this is a, it's a law. Uh, anybody been on a lake this summer or been out recently? So some of you have. Most of us have probably been out in a boat before or out on the water. Right? Boats are, are notorious. They're known for breaking down. It just happens. And if you're going to be a boat owner, you just have to know that. You need to have a good boat mechanic because you and him or her are going to be good friends. And so there's a law in the state of Illinois that requires you a certain size um, boat uh, to have a, at least a whistle. And the purpose of that whistle is to send out a distress signal. And so if you're taking on water or your motor won't start or somebody's had a heart attack, whatever, something's going on, you can blow that whistle and hopefully it gets the attention of people around you and they will come help. That's a distress signal, right? Lots of times we send out distress signals. In a boat, it's a whistle. Some people have flares and it's the same idea. So you can shoot a flare in the sky trying to draw someone's attention. And at that point, when you're blowing the whistle... Or when you're shooting off the flare gun, what you're saying is, I need help. I cannot help myself. And so it is, that's, that's an example of being, of being distressed. Now here, what, maybe uh, 10 days ago, we were out on a lake. And we'd been out all, la- all day playing on the water. Well, my brother and I got in a catfish tournament that night, my younger brother, against my dad and some other people. And we went out fishing 6 to 10 o'clock. And it was time to come back to the boat ramp. So we were a long way away from the, from the way in. And we started making our way in. So if you've ever been in a boat, you hear that boat go, uh, uh, uh. What's that mean? It means you're out of gas. The bad news of that was it was a really windy night. And the wind's blowing away from the marina, the way in. We had already run out the trolling motor battery. So there was no help there. We're in a big pontoon boat, which catches a lot of wind, so you're like a kite there on the water anyway, and there's nobody around us, and it's dark. And so Tyler and I are just looking at each other like, what are we going to do? And the wind just keeps pushing us further and further away. And so I said, we've got we've to call somebody, right? So that was our distress signal. And so Tyler called my dad, and dad said, hey, just prop that one tank up, see if it's got some gas in it, and see if it'll get you home. 
And so Tyler had to literally pump the bulb on the gas tank while we just kind of putted our way in. That's how we got to the marina. It took us about 15 minutes, but, 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 just praying the whole way. All right, so being out of gas on Lake Decatur on a windy night with no trolling motor and nobody around, that's not really distressing, okay? We know our way around that really well, and it's, you're going to hit a bank and you're going to be fine. But imagine being in that same situation out in the ocean. Just miles off the coast, running out of gas. And there's not another boat around. And so you're blowing whistles or you're shooting off flares. Maybe you've lost radio contact. Are you distressed? I mean, that would be just a, a, a terrifying place to be, just being tossed out there at sea. Nothing you can do to really improve your situation. That's, the, that's what distress looks like. And I know I'm probably speaking to the choir because you've, you've been there before. You've had distressing moments. And so today is, how do I get delivered from that? And this is good for us personally, and this is good for other people we'll see today as well, to know how to help them. Because somewhere along the way, I'm going to be right in the middle of a, of a distressing situation. And I'm going to need some reminders. I'm going to need some people to help me know how to send out my distress signal. Now, there are, there's Morse code. You know the SOS? What's that? Three short flashes three long flashes followed by three short flashes. I think that's how it works or sounds to try to get uh, somebody's attention. Lots of ways we send out signals uh, and we do this personally as well. You know, a, a good distress signal you'll see sometimes is when there is a change in character. Have you ever been around somebody and said, boy, that's out of character for him or her? Like something must be up because that's not the way they normally act. I can usually talk to them without them just going off on me. Like something is going on. So that's a distress signal when you see a change of character. When you see people who are really active getting lethargic, that's a distress signal that maybe they're overwhelmed or maybe they're overcommitted. And so there's, there's all sorts of ways that we display uh, the word distress. Sometimes we're distressed. We don't even know it. Right? Other people see it in us. We've just not come to the point yet where we realize we're in a need of great help. So today we're going to talk again, like I said, about being delivered from distress. So Psalm 107, don't let those numbers scare you. It takes less than three minutes to read these 32 verses. And there's more verses that follow we're not going to read. Uh, I tried to break this down differently and it just, there's four different situations. I think we need to look at each one of these here this morning. So follow along on the wall or in your own Bible here today as we read, okay? It says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. And let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story, those he redeemed from the hand of the foe, those he gathered from the lands from east and west, from north and south. Now he's going to go on to outline some of the redeemed. This is what this, the distress that some of the redeemed were in that were rescued. And so in verse 4 it says, Some wandered in desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry, they were thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress and he led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. And so let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind for he satisfies the thirsty and he fills the hungry with good things. So there's one scenario there of being distressed. Here's another group of the redeemed. Some of those sat in darkness, in utter darkness, prisoners suffering in iron chains, because they rebelled against God's commands and despised the plans of the Most High. So he subjected them to bitter labor. And they stumbled and there was no one to help. 
right? That's distress. No one to help. So they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. And he brought them out of darkness, the utter darkness, and broke away their chains. So let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he breaks down gates of bronze, and he cuts through bars of iron. Here's our third group of people. Some of the redeemed, they were fools because of their rebellious ways and they suffered affliction because of their iniquities. They loathed all food and drew near the gates of death. They were at a point where they didn't even want to eat. You've been there before? You ever been so sick where you're like, please don't show me food? I don't want to smell food. I don't want to see food. Have you ever been so guilty where you're like, I can't eat? I mean, I've been there. I've just wrecked like... Everybody must see my sin. Everybody must know what I've done. And it just, it makes you loathe food. It takes your appetite. And that's where these people were. And what they do in their distress, they cry to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them from their distress. And he sent out this word and he healed them and he rescued them from the grave. So let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them sacrifice thank offerings and tell of his works with songs of joy. And then our fourth group here. Some people went out on the sea in ships. They were merchants on the mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep. For he spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves. And they mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths. And so they're just riding the waves like this. In their peril, their courage melted away. And they reeled and they staggered like drunkards. They were at their wit's end. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. And he stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. And they were glad when it grew calm, and he guided them to their desired haven. So let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them exalt him in the assembly of the people and praise him in the council of the elders. And so it is here today. I want to look at a few different ways that the psalmist here tells us about how you and I can be delivered from stress or what deliverance looks like. And this first one is just kind of, um, it's how everybody functions in distress. And so just trying to get clarity there and then we'll proceed from there with how we can actually go about being freed from whatever it is that may distress us. So number one here, let's start. Deliverance is, it's really all that matters when we are distressed. Now, to say that, I'm not saying it's, it's the thing that really does matter. What I'm saying is when you and I are distressed, being delivered from that is really the only thing we can think about. It's hard to have conversations with people. It's hard to focus on the needs of others when I'm in a position of distress. So remember, distress is different than, you know, I've been cut or my body's not quite working or a car cut in on me or somebody got a grade that I thought I deserved. Uh, this is a much different level. Right? So distress is where it's just all-consuming. And that's one of the signs of distress. If you're being consumed by your situation, there's a good chance that you are distressed. If you're trying to work and you can't think about anything else but how bad your situation is, uh, or you're trying to have joy but all you can do, you can just sit there and weep and your heart is broken and you just can't see any light, there's a good chance that you are distressed. Distress consumes us. And when we are consumed, the only thing we can think about is being delivered. Let me give you a word picture here, and maybe this will help you. Think about a person who is choking on food. That's terrible to experience. 
that's terrible to witness. A good friend of mine uh, in high school, his mom was at his football game. And she went to the concession stand. She got a blow pop. She was sitting on the top of the bleachers. They weren't high, maybe 10 bleachers. And she swallowed that blow pop. And she ends up falling off the back of those bleachers. And she, she died from not being able to breathe. So I love blow pops, but I can't hardly eat them now. I just, I think of that every time. So imagine being in that situation. So when you are distressed like that, what's the distress signal for somebody that's choking? What's the Red Cross, what do they tell us? It's pretty easy. Usually they're kind of like, right, they're letting you know that this is where it's at and I can't breathe. So if they can cough or talk, you know they're not choking. But if they're not saying a word, doing this, if we're that way, we're crying out for help. Does it matter uh, what, what's, what outfit am I going to wear tomorrow? You think I'm thinking about that when I'm choking? You think I'm thinking about the project that needs to get done? No, what am I thinking about? Help, right? You've got to get this thing out of my throat. I'm dying. And so all I'm saying is here, when we are distressed, really the only thing we can think about is, how do I get out of this? I need to be delivered. Lots of other things we could talk about, but I believe you get the idea there. The primary focus is getting help. Well, in our text today, what we saw, there's four different situations of distress. And in every situation, the need was the same. They needed to be delivered. So let's go back. Let's look here at a little bit of their distress. Uh, and then we'll get to the deliverer here in just a minute. And so the first group of people, some of them wandered in desert wastelands. They found no way to a city where they could settle. Not real sure who this group of people is. Some said this were the exiles who were delivered from captivity of Babylon. Some were saying maybe this was the group of people that came out of Egypt that wandered in the desert for 40 years. The psalmist isn't really clear about the situation that they're in. All we know is that they're wandering and they're lost. They have no place to settle. They were hungry and they were thirsty. Notice their lives ebbed away. All right, so this is a very difficult Situation. This is a distress. This is an all-consuming situation. If you've ever been lost, you know that feeling. Uh, the second group of people sat in darkness, in utter darkness. These were prisoners suffering in iron chains. And this may be literal or this may be metaphorical. And so maybe this is speaking about somebody who has sinned and they're bound by their chains of sin. Or maybe this is literal, somebody who's actually sitting in uh, an iron cage somewhere. And they were in this situation because they rebelled against God's commands and they despised the plans of the Most High. So he subjected them to bitter labor. They stumbled and there was what? There was no one to help. What situation are they in? They're in a distressed situation. The first group of people wandering, life ebbed away. This group of people rebelled, nobody around to help. Our third group, some of these people just made poor choices, which was foolishness, right? Sometimes we're our own worst enemy against our personal and spiritual health. We can identify. Some became fools through their rebellious ways, and the result was they suffered affliction because of their iniquities. They loathed all food and drew near the gates of death. Have you ever done something that you knew wasn't good for you, but you did it anyway, and you ended up later you were getting hurt or it made you sick, or maybe it developed a bad habit? Right? That happens. God's word says go this way. And we, no, I'm going this way. Remember Jonah? Isn't that what Jonah did? Jonah ends up, God saying go right. Jonah 
flat out says, no, I'm going left. When you get to Jonah chapter 2, you'll find him in the belly of a great fish. You know what he's doing? The Bible says in verse 2, he's crying out because he's in great, what? Distress. Right? He was his own worst enemy. Sometimes we are our own worst enemies. Physically speaking and spiritually speaking. And that's the case in point right here. We can identify with the redeemed who had found themselves in this situation. And then our fourth group of people, these are people who are kind of in an overwhelming situation. Maybe it didn't have anything to do with them. It was just life. They were out on the sea. Remember the waves going up and down. They mounted up to the heavens, went down to the depths. And their peril, their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunkards. They were what? They were at their wits end. What's that mean? Yeah, I have no idea what to do. I am utterly helpless. And so each time the psalmist in all four scenarios, he outlines their situation by calling it distress. Distress. And when they got to the point at their wit's end, their life ebbed away. There's no one around to help. I just, at the point of death, it was there that they realized I'm in distress and my life is in need of deliverance. So to be in a distressing situation is to be desperate. And when we're desperate, all we can think of, deliver me. Get me out of this situation. Now, when I was probably four or five years old, my older brother had a dog. This dog's name was Blackie. Real creative. It was a black dog. Right? So he named him Blackie. But this dog was maybe about this big, about this tall. And Blackie loved to just bark at you and come up and just like to bite on your shoes and your, like your shorts or your pants. And I just, I did not like Blackie. And so I didn't want to be around wherever he was. Well, one day we were playing outside in the front yard. And you know how it is. You kind of start walking away and that dog starts following you. So as a scared child, what do you do? You do the opposite of what you should do, right? You start running. And so, man, I took off running. Kind of jogging initially and this dog starts jogging. So my heart's pounding. And my parents have about an acre a yard and dad's got this big garden out back and so I took off running around the garden trying to lose the dog and this dog is right on my heels barking and trying to bite my shoes and so man I make the turn for home and I'm just crying and I'm screaming for Travis my brother help get Blackie man when Blackie went away that was a good day one of my favorite days as a pet owner <laughs> when that dog left us but that was a distressing situation. I wasn't thinking about anything else. What are we having for lunch? What homework do I need to get done for school? I may not even been school age at that point. But the point is, all I could focus on was help me. When we're distressed, you'll know it because you're looking for deliverance. The good news is, is there is a deliverer. Uh, and so let's head his direction here at this point. Then number two, everybody's going to face distress. Everybody's going to need to be delivered. And what the psalmist says is this deliverance is going to come from God. It only comes from God. True deliverance only comes from God. Lots of other ways to mask it or to get temporary relief, but it's always going to resurface. So deliverance, secondly, here comes as we cry out to God. <clears throat> and so Jesus promised us, didn't he, in this life, you will have what? Trouble. 
As we've already said, trouble can also be interpreted, translated, distress. In this life, you'll have distress. So why are we so surprised when it happens? Right, why am I so surprised when I find myself in an overwhelming situation that I need to be delivered from? Life shouldn't go this way. This is not how we planned it. This is so unfair. It's not deserved. And yet Jesus said, okay, it's going to happen. So don't be surprised when it happens. Let's prepare ourselves for how to, how to deliver or how to find deliverance in the midst of that distress. And so he's going to talk to us here about deliverance from God. But as I said, lots of people look for deliverance. Everybody does when you're in distress. You cry out, help me. And some people turn to abuse. We all probably know people in our life who've turned to some sort of abuse looking for deliverance. And so maybe that was drug or alcohol related. Right? Or maybe that was hurting myself. Maybe you have people in your family or in your circle of friends that you know who have literally physically hurt themselves just looking for some kind of relief from the distress they were in. And we know people, and you do as well. We had a couple girls this last May uh, whose dad, uh, he took his own life. And he battled depression for a long time and just hit a moment of distress, all right? Why would somebody take their life? Because it's a way out. It's deliverance from distress. So there's lots of avenues, lots of ways to pursue relief. But none of those bring true, lasting relief uh, as, as God can. And some people pursue what the world has to offer. How long did it take you to quit chasing worldly goods because you realized they were just left you empty? Anybody chase it? You wanted the next thing, the newest thing, the latest thing. You needed a nicer car, bigger home, you needed newer clothes, whatever, the newest technology. And you thought, when I got that, this is going to make me, my life just that much more enjoyable, that much better. I'm so insufficient at this point because I don't have this. And when I get that, then I'll have everything I need only to get there and realize I'm still as distressed as I was before. The happiness fades and what we've said is it resurfaces because nothing other than God can bring lasting deliverance when you and I are in distress. So every time here in our text, every time those who were redeemed faced distress, they went to God. And so let's read it here. And there's four different verses. The first one says this in verse 6, when they were in distress, they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. And so verse 6 is going to say delivered. Verse 13 and 19 say the exact same thing. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. So verse 6 was he delivered them. Verse 13 and 19 is he saved them. Verse 28, when this group of people found themselves distressed, they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. So notice all these people were distressed. Is distress the result of sin always? No. So we're talking about redeemed people here. Maybe this was before they were redeemed or maybe it was after. Sometimes my distress is the result of my sin. Right? Remember that second group of people? They were under distress because they were rebellious to God. God's counsel said one thing and they said, I'm going to live my life another way. And so they had all sorts of suffering. Okay? And so that was sinful. They brought that on themselves. But sometimes, like our last group of people out there on the sea just doing their job, 
they're overwhelmed and they're utterly helpless and all they can do is cry out. It wasn't anything they had done. It was life. And sometimes in the midst of life, we find ourselves needing to be delivered from our distress. Sometimes it's not sinful. If you go to Mark chapter 14, somewhere around verse 33, you'll find Jesus taking a few of his disciples out to the garden to pray. This is right before he's betrayed. And the Bible says, Mark 14, and he was greatly distressed. Jesus, greatly distressed. How did he display that he was greatly distressed? What's it say? He sweat how? His sweat was like drops of blood. Right? So every time we're in distress, there's, there's always a signal that comes out. And here the signal is a cry. Right? Lots of people cry out in all sorts of things and for all sorts of things. But here the deliverer is God. And so to find deliverance from your distress, we've got to cry out to God. And so they went to, Lord, to the Lord in their trouble. Right? The answer to their problem was prayer. The solution that they needed was God. And so they called out to God in prayer and he was their deliverer. He brought them out. He saved them. He delivered them. And so his promise is, I will bring you out. It just makes sense. If my title is I'm a deliverer, that's what I'm going to do. Right? In Psalm chapter 18, verse 2, the scriptures will tell us here, the Lord is my rock. He's my fortress and he is my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation. He is my stronghold. That song we sing sometimes made me glad. We may have sang that last Sunday. You are my shield, my strength, my portion, my deliverer. Right? So when we're in distress to find relief, deliverance, we'll cry out. And to find true deliverance here, we need to cry out to the one who is the true deliverer. Right, so that's good for you and I today, but that's also good for people in our life who are going to find themselves distressed because we've got to be able to point people. We've got to be able to share our story uh, with those who are, who are distressed. They're all around us. Yeah, here's something to do this week. I don't know why, but I've been doing this most of the summer. As you walk around, as you people watch, count how many people you see smiling. I bet when you come back next week, if you'll do, I bet it's a real small number when we talk next Sunday. It doesn't count when you look in the mirror and smile at yourself like 20 times. I saw 50 people smiling this week. All right. I would say it's probably less than what you can count on both hands. You see, I mean, at the, at the grocery store, people's heads are down and they're just like discouraged. The sad thing is probably sometimes that's me. Not discouraged, but just distracted. You see people pumping gas. They're used to you talk to the person on the opposite side. Hey, how you doing? And now it's just I'm in a hurry. And they're just, looks like they're angry. Right? People are distressed all around us. And they're looking for deliverance. Everybody cries out when they're distressed. That's how it works. No one sits there choking on food and carries on conversation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, oh, that's great. I could care less what you're saying to me when I'm choking. I need to be delivered. I need help. 
Everybody's going to cry out in some way or another. And so as we've been delivered, we now have the opportunity to share that with other people. See, deliverance is the story of the redeemed. Now, stories are meant to be pondered, and they're meant to be told. Right? And good stories, especially. Those are the ones that we just really want to be sharing. Those are the ones that are worth pondering. So if you've been redeemed, that is, if you have been forgiven of your sins through faith in Jesus Christ, you have a story worth pondering, and you have a story worth telling, and you have a story worth hearing. And this is what the text is going to call us to. All good stories. All good stories bless your heart. I mean, how many movies and TV shows have you been moved by because it had a good storyline? You ever sat in a movie theater at home and maybe you sh your eyes watered up a little bit or maybe you cried some because it was such a moving story. It touched your heart. The story of the redeemed is a moving story. It's a heart-wrenching and heart-warming story. And as we ponder it, it's a blessing to us. And in return, we have the chance to share it. And it's worth hearing. That's a blessing to others. And so the psalmist says the very last verse, verse 43 of that psalm, says, here's the wise person. The person who is wise is the one who heeds these things. We've read about all these people who are in different distressing situations. The one who is wise is the one who heeds and the one who ponders the loving deeds of the Lord. Right? The one who lingers over the things that God has done in their life. And so wisdom tells us today if God is a deliverer, it's good for us to cry out to him because he will deliver us. And so this is our story. Our story is we were wanderers. Just like the first group of people, that first section. Some were wanderers. Yep, that's us. Hopelessly lost. And when we cried out to God, what did he do? Well, the scripture said he, he brought us to a city and he gave us clarity. Have you ever prayed and had God open a door or helped you see clearly your next step? Maybe helped you understand more of what he was asking of you? I've been a wanderer. No place to call home. And I've also been on the flip side of that to find the leading of God. We have been the wanderers. We've been the ones shackled by sin. We've been the ones who are guilty. And then we've been the ones who have been set free. Now what I love about that distressing situation, it said that the, the, the shackles could not hold the prisoner and the bars couldn't keep God out. So we were in Haiti this summer. Every house, rich or poor, had bars on the windows. All right? Why do you put bars on your windows? Keep people out, right? To keep yourself safe. And what we say is these, these big rod iron bars, no one can get through. No one can break through. No one can cut through this. This is my protection. And yet what the text says here is that God broke through those. God broke through those who had rebelled against him. God was patient with those who wandered from him, who said, I know this is your will and your way, but I'm going this way. When they cried, what did he do? He delivered. He didn't say, you deserve this, you fool. He delivered. He broke shackles. He set people free. There's not a cage that someone may be trapped in 
that God cannot reach through and cut them out of. That's the story of the redeemed. We've been the ones who've suffered physically from poor choices. Right? Have you ever had too much to eat and been just miserable? Oh. I know I shouldn't. What? But. Right? That's, that's our song as well. I know I shouldn't. I know I shouldn't watch this, but. I know I shouldn't drink this, but. I know I shouldn't hurt myself in this way, but. And we end up in a position where we're close to the grave simply because we betrayed or we were willing to treat lightly the counsel of God. We've been the one who've suffered harm from poor choices. And yet we've also been those who've been rescued and healed. Right? That's the story of the wanderer. We've been those who've been overwhelmed by situations that were no causing of our own, like the people out on the sea who were tossed. And when we cried out, we've also been the people who've got a story to say, but God rescued us. And the story there, he calmed the sea. Sometimes it's just that he calms his child. In the midst of the chaos, there's peace. In the midst of the storm, there's just safety. There's protection. There's comfort. And so God has delivered. So if you're part of the redeemed, if God has saved, if he has rescued, if he's delivered, then what the psalmist says here then is, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. And it's really that simple. Part of the telling of our story is the giving thanks. Four different times we read giving thanks to the Lord for what he has done. Not only for us, but for all mankind. He's the deliverer for all people. And so we give thanks. We share with other believers. How many times have you been encouraged by the story of another believer? And what God had done in their life. How he saw them through. How he answered their prayer. How when they cried out, he brought deliverance. In the midst of your struggle, you're thinking, man, he can do the same thing for me. And with a world all around us that is struggling with being distressed, we've got a story to tell. And so the psalmist says, let the redeemed tell their story. It's worth telling. It's worth pondering. And it's worth hearing. It's the story of the redeemed. So if you've ever been distressed, you know you've been distressed because it's consumed you. You know you've been distressed because you've cried out for help. Some way or another. And that cry could have been anger at a spouse. Could have been, I'm short with my children. Could be frustration with a neighbor. Really have nothing to do with any of those people. It's something within me that's, that's distressed. Everybody on the planet faces distress. The truth of this story is not everyone finds deliverance. You know, I don't know if you've ever been at the funeral of someone who, from all accounts, from your perspective, was an unbeliever. But that's, that's a difficult situation. It's a difficult situation to try to speak over somebody who by their own admission believed there was no God. Did they face distress? Absolutely. Did they look for deliverance? Absolutely. Did they find it? No. 
And there are people all around us God's connected us with, or he's going to connect us with, who are in need of deliverance. In those moments, the redeemed, we need to share our story. It doesn't have to be some pretty memorized outline of how to lead somebody to Christ. Some were wanderers, but he directed their paths. Some of us were rebellious, but God was patient, and he broke our chains. Some of us made some poor choices, and we've suffered that in our physical bodies as a result, but God has removed our guilt. Some of us have been in overwhelming situations. Nothing that we could have done to stop it from happening. And yet God has met us there and he's brought his peace. See, to a person in distress, deliverance is what they need and it's the story they need to hear. And so maybe our prayer today is, God, line me up with somebody who needs to hear about deliverance. Lots of stuff we're going to do. Wash our cars, mow our grass. Maybe you're going to rearrange furniture in your house. You're going to pay some bills. You're going to work a job. You're going to go to the grocery store, maybe the doctor. Are we going to be intentional in trying to reach out to people or look for people, be sensitive to the needs of people who may be distressed? And so maybe as you sit here this morning, you say, Corey, I'm, I'm that person. I'm in the midst of it. I feel like I'm choking then I want to encourage you to do what Psalm 107 verse 43 said. Heed the words that were mentioned there. Wisdom is to ponder how people in your similar situations, how they were relieved. Cry out to God. God, relieve me of this distress. His promises is that he will. It may not come as expected. It may not come in your time. But the thing is, God's never late, and he's never been unfaithful to a promise yet. And he's not about to start. Maybe your prayer is, God, line me up, or I know a person in my life. Prepare me, Lord, to talk with them. I pray you'd open a door, and it doesn't have to be a perfect door. Just grant me an opportunity to, to try to talk with, or try to pray with, or try to speak what's true to somebody that may be in need. And so wherever you find yourself delivered, distressed, I pray we're part of the redeemed. And if we are, let's ponder that. Let's prepare to share that because that's worth hearing, okay?